Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Brownsbridge Church podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Brownsbridge Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out more information about Brownsbridge Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. I don't know if anybody else does this, but um, when I get in the car and there's like a, a longer drive, maybe an hour or maybe a couple hours, you know, I'll set up the GPS and uh, whether it's Waze or Google Maps or good old fashioned Apple Maps, they'll, they'll put a time on there, you know, of like t- total trip time. And when I see that number, something in me comes alive, okay? Like this competitive spirit of like, oh, you say it's an hour and 12 minutes. I'm gonna prove you wrong. And then you spend the, the, the entire trip not really watching the road, but watching the arrival time. And then it's like, okay, it says 317. When we get, to, Kelly, watch this. It says 317. We're gonna make it, we're gonna watch this number. And then it goes to 316 and it goes to 315 as you drive. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm winning. Anybody else do that in here? And if you, if you arrive, if you actually beat the time that, uh, that Waze proposes, have you ever seen what they give you? Have you ever seen that? I brought one today. What they deliver you if you win that, it's right here. <laughs> there, there is no prize for first place. There is, there is no prize. I mean, yes, we, we feel, especially, you know, us men, you know, it's like we've got a thing, right? It's like we feel accomplished if we get there three minutes before Waze told us we were going to get there. But there is no prize, right? You don't gain anything except the few minutes maybe that you got back in your fast drive. But oftentimes in our attempt to lower that time, we invite in hurry into our lives. And when hurry shows up, it's never a good thing. So what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. If you've missed out, we've been in a series called Advice for Your Hurried Life. And um, specifically, we chose this time of year to do this series because right around the corner, about four days from now, school's gonna start, okay? And it's gonna be a different pace than what we've had the last couple months. Even if you don't have kids, you experience the August, the August rush, right? I mean, traffic is back, things are crazy, drop off in the mornings. It's like your commute to work used to be really smooth for the last eight weeks, but now, you know, you've gotta pass three schools on your way to work and, you know, you're gonna be adding in 30, 40 minutes and, So it's all the more important, it's all the more important that we be proactive with this idea of hurry because hurry is coming. It's right around the corner. So uh, you may have thought of this before, seen this in different areas of life, but um, if you're not proactive, if you're not proactive, you will be reactive. You ever thought about this? It's kind of like common sense, right? If you don't proact, you will react. If you don't do something beforehand, oftentimes that requires that you do something afterwards. And reaction, reaction is often more painful and more difficult than proaction. Reactive, look look at this list. Reactive, or excuse me, proactive. Proactive is, is often easier doing things on the front end, doing things before, you know, before, not after, not waiting. It's easier, it's cheaper, it's more pleasant, and it's possible. There's things that we can do on the front end of things that aren't often possible on the back end. Reactive, however, is a totally different experience. It gets more complicated, gets more costly, more painful, 
And sometimes it's just flat out impossible. And, and so there's a, a bunch of different examples around this. And you see this in life. I mean, if you're a homeowner, you know this. Like just look at your yard. It's one of those things where, you know, you just gotta be proactive with it. And, and it's much easier just to maintain it, right? Especially in the summer months when that grass is really growing fast. And it's like you cut it every week. But the moment you wait two or three weeks to cut it, all of a sudden you're gonna have a big headache when you go out there. You're gonna have a lot of stuff to deal with that you weren't gonna have to deal with if you were just simply proactive with it. There's a bunch of different ways this plays out uh, with, with a house. We, when we moved into our house about 10 years ago, the, the homeowners that we were buying from showed us this thing on the back porch. They said, hey, we put in this pipe to be able to water our plants on the back porch. And you know, it's just a real great you know, convenient contraption here. And all you need to do is before winter, you need to cut the water off to it. And then you open up this valve and it'll drain the water out of the pipe. That way the pipe doesn't explode. And I was like, that's great. And, and then I, I walked away and never thought about that again until it was Thanksgiving evening um, that year. We had a really, really cold Thanksgiving that year. And um, we were out of town and I get a phone call at nine o'clock from my neighbor through the woods. And it's nine o'clock on Thanksgiving night. It's like, why in the world is my neighbor through the woods uh, calling me on Thanksgiving night at nine o'clock. So I pick up the phone and he says, hey, Adam, you know, I say, hey, hey, how's it going? You know, happy Thanksgiving, whatever. He goes, hey, it sounds like there's a waterfall in your backyard. And I thought, I don't think we've installed one of those recently. Uh, there shouldn't be a waterfall. And sure enough, uh, did not winterize that pipe. And because I wasn't proactive, I had to be reactive. And thankfully, my neighbor was a very good neighbor. And he went over there and when we, we kind of talked him through getting into the house and cutting our water off. And we ended up being fine. But again, that was another example of if you're not proactive, you, you'll have to be reactive. Car maintenance is another one. If you don't take care of your car, Again, it's kind of annoying. It's kind of a stressful, like, ah, another oil change and I gotta get tires and all that stuff. But that is much less painful than what happens if you wait to take care of it later. And there's hundreds of different examples with this. The examples with your children, examples with your marriage, examples with your money. If you think about a doctor of any kind, really, that's, that's what doctors do. If you go and see the doctor proactively, then you can avoid the pain of, of what happens when you have to reactively See one. Brushing your teeth is another one. Again, it may seem annoying. It may seem like, ah, I don't really want to do this. I'd rather just go to sleep. And, but again, brushing your teeth is proactive. It's much easier. It's much cheaper. It's much more pleasant than having to be reactive. If you don't brush your teeth, it gets a lot more complicated. It gets a lot more costly. It gets a lot more painful. And sometimes we do damage that can't be repaired. And this one right here, impossible. This is important for today because when it comes to hurry, it's almost impossible to get out of it once we're in it. You ever thought about this? Hurry, hurry arrives quickly, but it departs slowly. It's like an unwanted house guest, okay? Arrives quickly, departs slowly. Have you ever seen the movie, What About Bob? Bill Murray, 1990s, one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah, you should clap at that because it's a great movie, all right? If you, if you don't know the, 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 the story, Bob is mentally ill in, 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 the, in the film and he goes to see Dr. Leo Marvin, who's the psychiatrist, psychologist that's working with him. And Bob, uh, excuse me, Dr. Marvin tells Bob, you need to take a vacation from your problems. 
And Bob takes that literally. And so when Dr. Marvin goes up to Lake Winnipesaukee to have his family vacation, Bob decides to follow him there. Bob gets in a bus and shows up to Lake Winnipesaukee, doesn't know how to find Dr. Leo Marvin. So he gets off the bus and remember this, he just starts screaming, Dr. Leo Marvin, Dr. Leo Marvin in the streets. Ends up tracking him down. He shows up to the house and the family, they're all like, they love Bob. They're like, Bob is so cool. Come on, Bob, stay with us. And Dr. Leo Marvin's like, you gotta be kidding me. Like this was supposed to be our family vacation. And then towards the end of the family vacation, Good Morning America is showing up to interview Dr. Leo Marvin about his book, the book that's being released. And so Dr. Leo Marvin's big thing is, hey, you gotta, you gotta get rid of Bob. Bob, you have to leave before Good Morning America shows up. What happens? Bob sticks around. And then Good Morning America is like, oh, this is great. You've got one of your patients here. He can join the show with you, you know? And it's like everywhere you turn, Dr. Leo Marvin is sitting there going, I cannot believe Bob is still here. I can't believe he's still here. I can't believe he's still here. Bob, Bob is like hurry in our life. And hurry is like Bob in our life. It shows up, it arrives quickly, but it departs slowly. It becomes like that unwanted house guest. No invitation needed. No, no, no. hey, we, we, I'd, I'd like for you to join. It just shows up unannounced. And once it has entered our life, it's much harder to get rid of. So as we've been talking about these three weeks, advice for your hurried life, we must be proactive when it comes to hurry. Because again, as we've said every week, we're all busy, aren't we? We got tons of things going on. We're about to be way busier four days from now when school cranks up and the August rush is happening. But there's a big difference between busy and hurry. Hurry is our state or our condition within the activity. It's not just the activity itself. You can be hurried and not be busy at all. You can have nothing to do and yet still your heart and your mind is just racing and, and scrambling and frantic and rushed. And you also can be very busy as we've been discovering in this series and hopefully practicing in this series, we can be busy. We can have a ton of activity in our life, but not be hurried. We, we've defined hurry as an unhealthy preoccupation with a future time, place, or outcome. It's desiring another moment other than the moment we're currently in. It's desiring to be at another place, another physical location faster than we can get there. And it's desiring another outcome or a circumstance in life before it's possible as well. And so with her, we, we, we must be proactive. We must be proactive. And that's partly what we were doing in weeks one and two. Week one, I, advice number one was to slow down, slow down. I gave you a list of things to do, to choose the longest line, drive the speed limit, say you go ahead, welcome interruptions, I was talking to somebody the other day uh, that, that said, uh, actually earlier today, that, that said they chose the longest line at the grocery store and then they opened up another register and they were like, sir, come on over here. And he was like, he like didn't know what to do. He's like, uh-oh. <laughs> am, am I allowed to go to the, or do I have to stay here? And so he took it, he told me, he was like, hey, I, I just felt like it was the Holy Spirit leading me into <laughs> the other line. So I went, right? So hopefully you've been having some fun with this. Hopefully you've been paying attention to it. But again, these are designed, these are designed to keep hurry at a distance before it arrives. These are designed to be proactive. They're not very helpful in a reactive way. Think about it. If you're already in a rush, if you're already frantic, if you're already late on time and, and you're, you're, you're coming up to the cash registers, it's like to choose the long line in that moment is like, 
it's, I, I don't even know how to describe the pain in that moment. You're going to be real mad at me. You're going to be standing in line going, oh, Adam, I can't believe him, you know? You're going to start taking it out on me. These are designed to be used before hurry sets in and not after. The second week we said, vice number two was to say no. Say no. We talked about the regrettable yes and how oftentimes we can overcommit and we can make a cruel acceptance to a casual invitation and, and we end up finding ourselves in a place where we're stretched way too thin and we've committed to way, way too much. And, and so we, we talked about, hey, we, we gotta say no. And again, this is a proactive move. This is saying, okay, as we go into this fall, I'm gonna make sure the things I'm saying yes to are the things that I've been called to, my mission, my, my best yes in life. What is worth a yes in this season of life? That's proactive. It's being proactive against hurry, which again, we have to be proactive because it's easy to get in a hurry. It is hard to get out of a hurry. We talk about this all the time. That we say, oh, he's in a hurry, she's in a hurry, I got in a hurry. No one ever talks about someone getting out of a hurry. Have you ever heard of that? I mean, no one's ever said that. I don't think anyone's ever said that. Well, you know, she, she got out of a hurry. And you no, know, it's like we talk about being in a hurry. We don't talk about getting out of a hurry because it's not that easy to do. There are some things that we can do if we do get caught in that, that space. And hopefully we're beginning to observe our own lives and see when we're kind of ramped up and we're, we're kind of beginning to rush or beginning to get frantic. It's like, okay, we're noticing those, we're adjusting. But what is better altogether is to never get in a hurry in the first place. This, this, is, part, this is part of why following Jesus, we say this all the time around here, that following Jesus will make you better at life. And it'll make your life better. And there's, there's so much that goes into that statement. There's a hundred different ways to interpret that. But one specific way is, is what we've been talking about in the series. Because when we follow Jesus, we take his life on to us. We become more like him. And as we talked about week one, Jesus was never rushed. He, he was present with people. And he would ask questions, even when they were wrong and he was right, he would just sit with them and ask questions and have conversations. It's like, even when there was something to be fixed in that person, he was patient with them. And if you're a follower of Jesus here today, you've experienced the patience of God. You've experienced how Jesus has been patient with you, your shortcomings and my shortcomings. It's like, he's not in a rush just to fix us. And so as we follow Jesus, we become more like him. And he, he leads us to be able to calmly and effectively with great strength and peace do that which really matters. That's why it's so important. It's why it's, why it's our mission to inspire people to follow Jesus. It plays out specifically with what we've been talking about in these three weeks. And today, today we're gonna get some direction from the New Testament author, Paul. We're gonna look at a couple of verses that deal specifically with anxiety and peace. Those are the words that are gonna be used in the scriptures. But if you think about it, these, these relate to hurry as well. Anxiety is kind of a co-conspirator to hurry. Oftentimes we can think we're anxious, but really the, the, another word to describe what we're feeling in the moment is hurry. Um, and, and peace is really an antidote to hurry or it's a, a blocker. To hurry, it's impossible to internally feel hurried when we're at peace. And so we're gonna look at this passage that deals with anxiety and peace. And I just wanna say on the front end, this, this is a familiar passage. If you've, been, if you've been a Christian for very long, you've definitely heard this. Uh, I know for me, I've uh, read it many, many times. I've quoted it to other people before. I've heard uh, uh, 
preachers and pastors teach on this, churches and conferences. Um, but in the last couple months, I discovered something in this verse that I'd never heard before. In fact, and I'm going to share it with you today. And, and I've actually never heard a, a pastor or a preacher when they're talking about these two verses. I've never heard them say what I'm going to tell you today. It's in Paul's letter to Philippians. And he says this, Philippians 4, 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. And if you're uh, not familiar with Christianity, kind of on the sidelines, you're a skeptic or a critic, you can often think, okay, this, this is what I would expect. You know, that the Bible's just full of a bunch of do's and don'ts. But here's the cool thing about scripture is that so often it doesn't just leave us with the command or the challenge. It tells us how to live out that challenge. Or, hey, instead of this, do this. Or it gives us the why behind the command or the motivation. Here's, here's what will motivate you to live, through the, uh, to live this out, to, to, to actually embody this in your life. It's not just stop it. It's not just don't. There's always reasons and motivation behind it. That's what Paul does next. He says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. So instead of the, the anxiousness that we often live in, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, again, you're familiar with this verse if you've been in in church for very long. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it doesn't make any sense. That peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this last line because it's it's saying, it's not saying that that our circumstances are gonna be great or everything's gonna go smooth or you're just gonna be able to relax and have less to do. It's like, no, your heart and your mind is gonna be taken care of which is what we've been talking about with hurry. It's not about activity. It's not about external activity. It's about the condition of our heart and our mind, our soul, as we move from one thing to the next. And Paul's saying, hey, you can experience peace in your mind, in your heart through this. Now, here is the word that for me, I had never noticed in this verse until the last couple months. And it was a game changer for me. It's this word right here, guard. This is a proactive word. It's not reactive. Paul is saying, hey, what I'm talking about in these two verses, it's only good, it only works if you do it on the front end. Yes, there are things that you can do after the fact and and after something has happened. Those are different verses. What I'm talking about in in, in, in these verses is specifically proactive. Guard is a proactive word. You think about what Paul's saying here. He's, he's using battle terminology, right? And in the first century, um, you know, you probably had a sword and, a, you know, excuse me, a shield and a sword. And you would either be attacking or you would be guarding. And think about it. What good does it do you to guard after someone has already swung their sword at you? Not very good at all, Right? I mean, if you wait and somebody like attacks you and then after they attack you, you decide, okay, now I'm gonna guard myself. It'll probably be too late because you're either gonna be dead or wounded in that moment. It's a proactive term. Modern day, think about it. We use the word guard in in different sports like basketball, you know. Um, if If you guard someone in basketball after they've already driven to the basket and shot the basket and made the basket, 
That doesn't really do you any good. In fact, you're going to look really weird if you do that because you're going to end up being on offense at that point and you're going to be going down the court guarding the guy that just scored and you're on offense, okay? You're going you're to look really, really bad if you do that. Guard is a proactive word. And Paul's saying, hey, this, this only works if you do it in a proactive way. I, I think about for me a couple years ago, um, just, just in a season of life where I felt like I was getting short with my kids and I wasn't being gentle with Kelly. And, and I would kind of come to God after the fact and be like, God, fix this, like, help me, please. And again, there's a place for that. I'm not saying that's all bad, but what I began to discover in that season was, wait a second, I'm coming to God after the fact, not before. And maybe the reason why I'm ending up in this place in the first place is that I'm not connecting and, and, and abiding on the front end staying connected with God on the front end so that I don't get in that anxious place that I end up regretting and having to go to God to and go help me with my anxiety or help me with this or help me with that. We, we can so often treat God in that way that he's like the fix it man or uh, the, the urgent care after something has gone wrong. And Paul's saying, no, that there's another way. You can actually do something on the front end. You can be proactive, not reactive. Yes, God can deliver you. Yes, God is a healer. He is a rescuer. But in a lot of situations in our lives, we still have to deal with consequences if we wait for him to rescue us on the back end. It's more costly. It's harder on us. And it's harder on the people around us. So Paul is saying, hey, look, no, you're gonna wanna be proactive in this. And so what, what do we need to do? to be proactive. We've got to go back to the previous verse. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, which is just another word for prayer with Thanksgiving, another word to pray, uh, for prayer. If we're giving thanks to God, present your request to God, which is another way of saying prayer. Paul's saying pray more. And it's not just pray more here. Here's the really important phrase he uses here, right here in everything, in every situation. Not in some things, but in all things, in everything, all the time. The way to be anxious for nothing is to be prayerful in everything. But I don't know about you, but I, I, I read that verse and I go, well, how in the world are we supposed to do that? How do we really pray in everything? I mean, none of us lives in uh, you know, some place where we can just be by ourselves all day, head bowed, eyes closed, you know, hands folded over. Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, there's all the people, you know. That's not real life. I mean, we're busy, aren't we? So how in the world, Paul, can we pray in everything? In another, in another one of his letters, Paul says, pray continually. And some of us in the room, we're like, hey, if I could just pray sometimes, okay? As busy as I am, if I just get a little prayer in here and there, that would be such a win. How do we, how do we pray in everything? How do we pray continually? And here's what I would say. I'm in the same boat as you. And, and I'm a professional Christian. I mean, I'm a pastor. I do this for a living. And yet still, I feel that same thing. And every other pastor that I know experiences the same thing. And here's what I'd say is Paul, Paul gives us a lot of um, other commands and challenges as well. So certainly he couldn't have just meant, hey, have your eyes closed and your hands folded and your head bowed all the time. I think he was talking about something different. He was talking about a lifestyle 
change, a way to stay connected with God ongoing through the busyness, through the activity, a way to stay connected with him that would be proactive in bringing his peace into our life in every situation. And so I, I want to I give you a, a real life hack today for normal people, people just like you and me that, that we can implement into our lives that will help us be proactive. It's attainable, it's actionable, it's available at all times and anyone can participate. Anyone can participate because for this hack, all you need is a pair of lungs. Okay, advice number three, for the hurried life is just breathe. Now I put breathe in quotations there because we're not gonna just breathe. I'm gonna explain that and unpack that over the next few minutes. But let, let, me, let me talk for just a second about breathing. Did, did you know that when, when we get into fight or flight, we talked about fight or flight week one, that part of our brain, the amygdala, um, where... Um, Oftentimes when we get hurried or rushed or frantic in life, we begin operating out of that part of our brain. Do you know what happens to us? Research has shown this over and over again. We actually stop breathing in those moments. And this is why a doctor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or therapist, counselor, they'll tell you, hey, when you get in that moment of stress, when you get in that moment of panic, you just need to breathe. You need to slow down and you need to focus on your breathing because what happens is our, our breath gets really short and really shallow and then we end up cutting off oxygen to our brain. And so our anxiety or whatever we're feeling in that moment only multiplies and gets greater and then our decision-making gets uh, less and less profitable because we're making worse decisions because we have less oxygen going to our brain. So breathing by itself, there's, there's, again, there's tons of research around it. Just simply breathing can be such a help to us when we feel that franticness and that hurry beginning to creep in. But we're not gonna stop there. Uh, we're, we're gonna layer in a way to connect with God through this as well. Did you know that, that when, you, when you breathe, um, you breathe in oxygen, right? What do you breathe out? Just going back to grade school here, carbon dioxide. No, you knew, you knew it, you knew it. Carbon dioxide. So I used to think that when you're breathing in, you're breathing in good air and then you just bring out, breathe out the, the unuseful stuff, right? But what's actually happening at a molecular level is you breathe in O2, two molecules of oxygen. That comes into your lungs and it picks up one carbon molecule and carries that out of your body, carbon dioxide. And so when you're breathing out, you're actually, you're actually getting rid of something. The carbon is produced from um, calories or, or, or proteins or, or, or carbohydrates being broken down or burned in your body. That produces carbon. Your body has to get rid of the carbon somehow. So you actually breathe it out. The oxygen picks up the carbon and you breathe it out of your body. So you can look this up later on, but the main organ in your body that loses weight for you is your lungs. You're actually breathing weight off right now. So don't hyperventilate though. That's not a... Okay, that your, your body will adjust, okay? It doesn't exactly work that way. But for us in this hack that we're gonna try out over the next few minutes, we're, we're gonna take something on and we're gonna get rid of something as well. We're gonna take something on and get rid of something as well. In every moment, there are things, regardless of what moment you're in in life, in every moment, there are things that are true about you and about me. There's things that are true about God and there's things that are true about our circumstances. And at that very same time, there's also things that are not true. There's things that are false about you and about me. 
There's things that are false about God and there's things that are false about our circumstances. And often we can begin to buy into or believe in the things that are not entirely true. And we begin to live out of those things and they they almost sneak into our lives. And when they do, when, when we do, when we start to live out of those things, we invite hurry into our life. Hurry shows up. We think things like, I don't have enough time. We, we believe things like, well, if I don't do X, then Y is gonna happen. And normally it's a really drastic consequence. We do this with our kids. We do this with our jobs. We do this, our dating relationships, our friendships. I need this to validate me. I need him or her to validate me. And, and there, there's some truth in some of these things, but the worst lie is one that's 90% true. And it's the one that'll affect us the most. So with our exercise, with our exercise that we're going to do over the next couple of minutes is we, we are going to take on what is true in life. What is true about us, what's true about God, what's true about the circumstance that we're currently in. And we're going to unload or let go of or release the thing that is untrue about us and about God and about our circumstance. And the way we're going to do this is simply by breathing. We are going to breathe in and breathe out. And I'm, I'm gonna put a couple examples up here, but I don't want you to get hung up on the words. I want you to take this and personalize this to your own life. See what works for you. And you know, this, this may, I've just given you a forewarning, this may seem a little hokey to you. There may be some in the room that really like this. They're like, oh, this is a great exercise. And other people are like, man, this is like, you know, Adam's gone a little bit kooky on us. But here's, here's what I'd say. All we're doing with this exercise is what the the folks that study habit, the gurus that write about it, they they talk about something called habit stacking. That if you had something that you, you know, let's say you had a box that you wanted to make sure you didn't forget to leave the house. You you didn't want to forget it and, and, and leave the house without it. You would go over and you'd set it next to your keys. What you're doing in that moment is habit stacking because you know you're gonna go get your keys without even thinking about it before you leave the house. You have to. And then when you go over there, you see the box and you're like, oh, yeah, I need to take this with me. It would guarantee that you're gonna take it with you. That's what habit stacking is. That's that's all we're doing here. It's something you're already doing, breathing, and we're finding a way to layer in this way to connect with God. And for me, I started this practice about three months ago. And personally, it has been a game changer for me. It's been something that, that I can reach for in any given moment. When things are good, when things are challenging, when things get rushed, when they're peaceful, it's something that I can lean into. So again, here's a couple examples. You don't have to get hung up on the words. First one, breathe in the truth that God will provide everything I need today. God, you'll provide everything I need today. And you just breathe that in. Provide everything I need today. And you breathe out the fear of not getting enough done. This is a fear that just about all of us in the room have, right? And ultimately that comes from the thought of it's old. I'm the master of my domain. If I, if it is to be, it's up to me. If I don't get it all done, it's not all going to happen. So we release, we release this thought and this belief. We're not tied to it anymore. We breathe that out. We let it go. God, you're in control. I'm going to let go my, my fear, my need, my expectation that I'm going to get it all done today. Again, you do this as you breathe. Here's another one. Breathe in God's approval of me. Now breathe that in. God, you delight in me. God, you see me. Breathe that in. 
And then I'm going to breathe out the need to be approved by others. God, I don't need so-and-so's approval. I don't need their attention. I am fully loved and fully seen by you. And this one right here is, is very personal to me because my personality and uh, just kind of my temperament in life is I, I love attention and, and specifically kind of I can fall into that trap where I long for someone to approve me, of me. And I've done a lot of counseling through the years to try to solve that, but it's, it's still there from time to time. So over the last couple of months, this has been a huge one. And to get really specific with it, if there's a boss or a friend or a neighbor or someone in your life that's like, oh, I'd, I really want approval from them, Re- release that. I, I, I actually don't need their approval. God, I have all the approval I need in you. You breathe that in and you breathe it out. This, this exercise works best if you make it personal. Pay attention to what's going on in your life. Pay attention to those things in your life that kind of get you elevated in terms of your emotion and just your, your posture in life, the things that really stir you up. Those are the things you probably need to breathe a little bit about. And you can work backwards. You can start with the, the negative thing. Like, ah, I see that I'm really nervous about this meeting coming up. Okay, well, what is that? Maybe, maybe you've got too much riding on this meeting. God, I, I breathe out the need to impress in this meeting. I let go of that. I breathe in, God, that you're in control. You're ultimately leading me. Maybe it's something about your kids. I know I've done this one several times. You get worried about your kids. You want your kids to make great decisions. We have two that have just become teenagers entering their eighth grade year and we're starting to deal with, okay, high school's around the corner and all the stuff that goes along with that. And I can worry about my kids a lot. But what's powerful is to take a moment and again, just in a breath, say, God, I trust that you love my kids more than I do. Just breathe that in. God, you love my kids more than I do. So So I breathe out my false sense of control. I breathe out my need to to see my kids do X or Y or Z. And I trust you to lead them. Oftentimes there's a specific person in your life um, that's been bothering you, angering you, stirring you up in life. And you can get specific with them as well. You can say this. God, I breathe in your love for this person and get specific with their name. In that moment, you're saying, you're admitting, hey, God, I don't, I don't love this person right now. I got a lot of other words that I would use to describe my feelings and emotions towards this person. So I need your help to love this person. I breathe that in. I breathe in your love, God, for this person. And I breathe out my frustration towards him or her. I breathe out my resentment, my expectation that they're, they're gonna change, my need for apology. I just, I breathe it out. I release it right now. I'm not gonna hold on to, the, you know, to this grudge over their head and wait for them to get it right. God, I breathe out my frustration around so-and-so. Now, just a side note here. Um, you don't have to say this stuff out loud, okay? If you're standing in line at Publix and it's like taking too long, like you don't need to say, God, I just breathe out my frustration around this lady that's in front of me with the red shirt. Nope, not that one. Next one up. Yeah, her. Yeah. I just got a lot of frustration about how much time she's taken and I've got things to do. And no, you just, in your mind, in your heart, 
and make it personal. Don't, don't, you don't have to say God. You can say you. You can talk to God personally as you're doing this exercise. And if you don't know what to say, you're like, gosh, Adam, I don't even know where I would start. That's all right. Keep observing your life. I bet you you'll notice some things. And in the meantime, one, one of the easiest things you could do, if you don't know what to say, if you're in a moment and you're like, well, I don't, I don't really have anything bothering me, you can simply love God. You can say this. You can breathe in. God, I love you. I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. We don't often say this. We sing it in songs and we feel comfortable singing it in songs, but sometimes it can feel weird to just say these words. But we, we do, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've experienced his love, it's like, God, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. I love your creation. I love the life that you've given me. Take a moment, breathe that in, and then just pick something in your life to breathe out. God, I know I have a tendency to be self-centered. So I breathe out my self-centeredness right now. I breathe out my pride. I bring out, breathe out my anger, whatever it is. Whatever words we put around this, it's ultimately about pausing and connecting with our heavenly father. It's prayer. It's what Paul was talking about in Philippians four. And it's prayer for real people because it only takes seconds. It is busy proof. It doesn't matter how busy you are in your life. You can still implement this exercise and not just once a day. Cause oftentimes, you know, in, in church growing up, we were taught, oh, you gotta have a quiet time in the morning. And like, that's what's gonna keep you good for the rest of the day. The problem is you can have a really big quiet time in the morning and two hours later when you get on the highway, that quiet time is long gone at that moment, right? So this keeps us connected throughout the day. There's little micro moments throughout the day where we can connect with him. After all, every one of us has to breathe anyway. We're already gonna be breathing. We're gonna take that opportunity to layer in this habit on top of it. And when we combine this with what we talked about in weeks one and two, those things become so much more powerful. We're not just standing in a line. We're not just turning off our phone. We're not just welcoming interruption. We're taking it a step further. This is advice for the hurried life 2.0. So as we wrap, I wanna give you a list of just a few things to pay attention to in your life. Moments where you have the opportunity to breathe. Here's when to breathe. Waiting in line. Again, like we talked about week one. If you choose the longest line or if you choose the shortest line, we all have to stay in line. Starbucks, Costco, the grocery store, whatever it is, the DMV, who knows? When you're waiting in line, don't just reach for your phone and start scrolling social media. Take a second and breathe. Take a second and breathe. When you're driving, in between songs, in between podcasts, in between a phone call that you have with coworkers or friends, driving's a great time because then you can actually talk out loud and, and be honest with God. You don't have to keep it all in. Daily transitions, there are so many transitions that we have throughout our day. And all of those are an opportunity to take advantage of this hack. So when you get in the car in the morning, before you leave the house, before you turn the car on, just breathe. Take eight seconds and breathe, connect with God. And then before you go into that meeting, and then before you go to lunch, after you get back from lunch, and before you pick the kids up, before you take them to, to, to sports or whatever it is, before you go to bed at night, all of those little micro transitions throughout your day can be leveraged in this way. And then lastly, interruptions. Said week one to welcome interruptions in your life. This is one of the things that will help you do that. When the interruption comes, again, your initial response might be, oh, you know, oh, I can't believe this, but take a moment and just breathe, just breathe. And all of a sudden, when you do that, you've created a moment of connection with God 
And you'll be living out what Paul says. To not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You will be proactive. You'll be proactive, not reactive. And then hurry won't come in and make its home in your life. It won't move in and set up shop and take over and mess with everything that you care about in your world. And you'll have peace. While the rest of the world is running mad and and racing around in every different direction, you'll have peace. And it'll be a peace that transcends all understanding. They won't get it. You're gonna be an outlier because you did these things. So as we wrap up, slow down. Say no and just breathe. That's advice for your hurried life. Let's pray together. God, as we pause right now, we take a breath and we just breathe in your love today. And we breathe out those things that are heavy on our hearts. Gosh, in this room, there are some heavy things going on in some lives, I would imagine. And we release those things and we put them in your hands and we trust you with them. And we pray, God, that as we go throughout our days this week, that you would help us leverage transitions and interruptions and stalls when we're having to wait in a line, anything that stalls us out in life, God, that we would leverage it to connect with you, that we would just breathe. And in that moment, just have a few seconds of connection with you, prayer, listening to you, and ultimately giving our burdens to you. Would you help us do that this week? grateful for Jesus, the life that he models for us. Help us live more and more like him. In his name we pray. Amen.